0: It's the next level
1: Warning The following podcast may contain spoilers Listener discretion is advised I've been saving this for the right moment since day one Really Cisco? The guy's running in and out of a black hole. Welcome primers into this hour issue 190 of the DC primetime podcast and our uh, season premiere as it may be as we are back to the weekly grind from the spotlight here on the next level podcast network. I am Ben Beck and from
0: the caffeine crew cast of pods and still afraid of the dark. I am Rob Martin.
1: Yes, and,
0: indeed. Uh, putting that in there, you have to. we we're, we've got a couple, only a couple episodes left to premiere still before the end of our run for this year. Uh, yeah, and episode I, I,
1: six, just uh, just put chapter six, just posted.
0: Yeah, we've got three left to go. So remember, every Thursday night, uh, for the most part. I think there's been one or two that have been coming out on Friday, but uh, for the just most the part, just, just the one, just the one. But but yeah. every Thursday night, leading up to or in, and including Halloween, you can follow along with Ben and I. Uh, but that's been a fun show to do. Uh, but before we talk about that, uh, or not, well, not to really talk about that because you can just go listen to that podcast. But um, <laughs> but I was going to say, I, I, to make sure we didn't have any confusion. So people may be wondering why we have renumbered the episodes because I know that's not officially normally 190. We decided since we've done all these episodes in the past that included like the annuals, um, our interview episodes, all those things. Just to treat them as actual numbers. So this is why this is 190. So
1: yeah, I think we I think we (laughs) jumped from like 140 something up to like (laughs) 180. And yes, it's it's not because we're we're not skipping numbers. We we've done that many episodes. We just called them something different. We didn't actually number them. So now this is officially the 190th podcast we have done, including like you said, the annuals, celebrity interviews, things like that. So, right, we're just keeping it traditional. We're sticking with the numbers now going into this season, and uh, yeah, that's just what we'll keep doing going forward.
0: And a reminder: uh, the show is back to being weekly. No more off weeks, anything like
1: that. We are we are in it to win it. So, uh, I, we have to because this is as we've officially na- officially deemed it. Uh, this is the countdown to crisis. It is. Uh, because we're 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 off to the races now when it comes to this year's uh, turning out to be epic crossover Super uh, Smash in-
0: Crisis, as our good friend Chad <laughs> likes to call it. <laughs> so
1: yeah, wow, I couldn't even mute myself coughing that time <laughs> from the laugh. Um, yeah, please forgive us if we sound a little scratchy. Uh, oddly enough, and coincidentally, Rob and I both ended up getting sick this past week. Uh, you had something completely different for me. I'm, I'm recovering from the flu. Um, I had a GI
0: infection and an upper respiratory infection. So yay. kill me.
1: It's, it's been a fun week, which is the only reason why still afraid of the dark was a day late was because I was basically sleeping all day the day it was supposed to be posted and Uh, couldn't oh it was, okay by the time i realized it it was like oh i'll just post it in the morning so i uh, do no lie i slept about
0: four days straight i um i was up for small inter- intervals and half of that i was in another uh, city i was actually away for a work trip when it hit so yeah uh, i was in my hotel room for the bulk of that trip instead of with my uh, work uh work friends uh helping out with the conference uh because man oh man that was not fun but Again, uh, I, I am definitely on the mend, So, but uh, I'm excited to, to talk this week, so why don't, we, I, why don't I, we get it rolling, man?
1: Yeah, let's do that. Uh, real quick, though, before we start that, if you don't mind, I'd do oh, yeah. I would want to do a quick shout-out. I um, want to do a quick shout-out. I mentioned this to, to you yesterday when, when we were hanging out that uh, I had an opportunity to be a guest on a, another podcast uh, last week. So uh, just a quick shout out to the Victims and Villains podcast uh, hosted by Josh Berkley. They invited me on to do their top 10 Arrow episode podcast. And uh, you know what? As as difficult as it was to pick a top 10 episodes of Arrow, uh, it was still a lot of fun to go on. So if you want to check that out, you want to check them out. uh, Victims and Villains on Facebook. And their website, I believe, is victimsandvillains.net. So, quick shout out and a quick thanks just to those guys for having me on. Very cool. So, but yeah, let's uh, let's jump into things. Because as we mentioned, this is Countdown the Crisis. And man, oh man, the crisis hints have already started uh, just in this week uh, already. We've gotten... At least in one of the shows. One
0: show. One show we definitely saw something. So
1: yes, exactly. But uh, before we get to that show, we are going to kick it off with the new show that premiered this week. uh, That being a Batwoman. Uh, But again, we're jumping back to the weekly grind. So what we're going to do is we're going to run down each episode. We're going to give our ranking of the episode of the week. And then we'll go back to the episode and we will uh, discuss and kind of break it down a little bit. So, first off, this week, we have the Batwoman pilot, simply titled Pilot, Season 1, Episode 1. When it comes to the debut of this show, Rob, what do you give this one? A sidekick, hero, or a legend? I'm going to give this a
0: low-tier legend, because I think, just like almost every other Arrowverse show, when it started, that first episode always felt a little shaky, but I can say... Man, this show feels like it has a lot of promise, and I mean a lot of promise. I'm really excited to see what Batwoman's going to give us, so I'm definitely going to give this uh, again. Uh, I'm going to give it a legend. Bill.
1: okay, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm sort of of the same ilk when it comes to the thinking of the episode. I'm, I'm going to go high tier hero though, um, only because there were a few moments, and it's not. Uh, it's not really a nitpick, but it's also something that I know can definitely be approved, upon, improved upon, which is why I'm giving it this. Uh, there was one scene in particular where I kind of felt Ruby Rose's acting needed a little bit of fine tuning, um, but other than that, I really enjoyed what they did with the episode and what they set up for the season. So for that reason, I'm going high tier hero with with my room with my ranking. Okay. Uh, Next up, we have Supergirl Season 5, Episode 1 to the season premiere, of course, titled Event Horizon. Uh, Sidekick, hero, or legend from you, sir?
0: I'm going to go high-tier hero. Uh, This was fun, but I will say out of these three shows, this is the one that kept my attention the least, unfortunately. I was kind of hoping for a little bit more of kicking off the season with a bang, but it felt like they kind of ambled their way through it. There was a couple amazing scenes. But um, it really felt like it was there to address a departure of an actor we know coming up more than anything else. <laughs> so. Yeah.
1: Yeah, no, I agree with you on that. Um, I'm with you on that. It's it's probably like a mid to high tier hero for me as well. And you're right. They're definitely setting up um, Mikkel Brooks's departure from the show. Um, because I but, mean, he's, he's gotta got
0: to go off to become major Jackson Briggs in Mortal Kombat. <laughs> so.
1: Yes, exactly. They got to give him like metal arms and such like bionic arms. Yeah. Um, so which I'm don't get me wrong. I'm looking forward to that. And I think that's great casting. Oh, my God. Uh, that movie
0: um, sounds cooler and cooler and cooler every time I hear more about it. So I'm, I'm, it, I'm it all does. in. So it, yo, congrats for him. Totally.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um. You know, because making that shift from television to movie sometimes can be difficult for for some actors. Uh, but yeah, yeah. Big props to him for being able to do it. Uh, but you're right. They're definitely setting that up. They kind of obviously they had to address the the elephant in the room of the relationship between Kara and Lena. And they had to uh, premiere her new costume. So it feels like if kind of felt like, yeah, that was those were the primary focuses. It was like catching up to the new status quo, and that's
0: really what it felt like more than anything else.
1: Yeah, exactly. So yeah, for for mid to high tier hero for me as well. Okay. Uh, And last, we have the season premiere of The Flash, season six, episode one, Into the Void. Uh, What do you give this one, sir? Sidekick, hero, or legend?
0: You know what? I'm really pleasantly surprised because I was not... The last two seasons of Flash have been a little bumpy, no lie, but... I will say, man, they started off with a bang. Good on them, legend.
1: Uh yeah. I am right there with you. I am I have loved the Flash since it premiered. It's it's been one of those shows that has restored not restored, but basically created my love for the character now. I mean, you know me from in person like I wear Flash hats and like everything. So, oh, yeah. Flash has be- the Flash has become my f- probably one of my favorite superheroes now. So, uh, this, I was with you. The last couple seasons were a little rough, but if this season continues down the path that it's going, even from the premiere, and I've seen a couple people post online, like eh, that was a mediocre premiere. And I'm like, no, it really wasn't. It was really well done. It, it's uh, it
0: set up something great. And I think also too, we're, we're getting such a major tonal shift in the flash this year. And we'll talk about that a little bit more when we break the episode down. But I mean, the fact that we're essentially getting, two seasons out of The Flash this year because we know Bloodwork is only our villain for up to Crisis, and that's it. And then we get something completely different. But I think they laid the groundwork of who that other person is going to be, and I'm really excited about that. So
1: Yeah, I mean, and there's one scene in particular from this episode. um, It's a legend for me, by the way, if I didn't already mention it, But and I'll, I'll go into more detail when we break the episode down. There's one scene in particular in this episode that had they done it one way, It could have been incredibly cheesy, like to the point where I would have been like, did they really just do that? But then they added one thing to it that I was like, yep, I don't care how cheesy this scene is. That just made it amazing.
0: Oh, my God. I I think everybody agrees completely that that was there was one of the best moments uh, and one of the best Cisco lines we've had in a long time. Um, And it was great. So I can't wait to talk about the episode, though.
1: And you kind of already heard it at the top of the podcast, too. You know exactly what scene we're talking about because you've heard it. And if you've seen the episode, again, like you mentioned, you know what it is because you loved it just as much as we did. Yeah. So but with that being said, our rankings out of the way. Let's go back to Batwoman and break it down a little bit Uh, again. Uh, season one, episode one, just simply titled Pilot. Kate Kane returns to Gotham when a gang targets her father and her ex-girlfriend, Sophie Moore. So, you know, there again, it's like you mentioned before. It's, you know, it's a great introduction to the character who we've already met before. But I guess a lot of people might not have realized that. And I don't know how they're handling it. I don't know if it's just most of this season is a prequel to the crossover from last year or if all of this season is a prequel
0: yeah that's the only thing that kind of confuses me too on how they're going to handle that I have a feeling this is going to be more in the past uh for this season and then probably next year or maybe even post-crisis we'll have a jump so maybe this first half is them leading up to the events of crisis and then they maybe make mentions of what happened last year with Elseworlds like we're, we're not exactly sure where this is going to fall in the timeline but you know what I, I'd rather them be able to break this down and do what feels right. Um, yeah. To kind of make the story work.
1: Yeah, uh, exactly. Yeah. Because like, I don't know. Uh, we know for, we, we know if you, if you look at the timeline of everything that's happened so far, uh, the Elseworlds world's crossover was about a year ago uh, when it comes to the timeline of the Arrowverse, Uh Kate Kane, when we meet her during the Elseworlds world's crossover is already fully established. She has the costume that we, we know her to eventually get. Uh, and as the point that we're seeing now, she is just becoming Batwoman. So there has to be this season has to take place. I'm going to say at least a year or two before the Elseworlds crossover.
0: I would assume that is probably the case. Uh, it, it could it could only be, though, maybe. And I mean, honestly, it could be the several months because at this point in time, you know, no one even like Barry, Oliver, you know, car, all of them. I mean, again, Kara's not gonna know, but I mean, all you know, Oliver and and Barry are maybe even like we haven't heard anything about even a rumor of of Batwoman, you know, yeah. when they arrive in Gotham. So it's it still could be very fresh off of you know things from that alone, and that could be the case. So I, you know, what I I just want to see how it's gonna play. I'm sure they're gonna explain it is where it falls in, because eventually, even if. It, it's a several month thing they could say all of that happened between season one and where season two begins so who knows
1: yeah because i don't think uh, come to think of it refresh my memory if i might be wrong i don't think batwoman has an episode in crisis uh during no, it Crisis does. on does oh it's it does it does well yeah. well if that's the case then the story in my i guess would have to catch up before crisis
0: I would assume so. I mean, again, too, this episode was kind of the establishing thing. We could see in like episode a time, three, a time like, jump, time, yeah. like six months later, you know, after all these things, like post them kind of like establishing her, having her have her gadgets, getting to the full costume, all these little things all happening. And then we could say, boom, you know, the episode for Batwoman could just say eight months later, you know, and then uh, the beginning of crisis of when everything kicks off. And that could, be as simple as that so i wouldn't be surprised if they just have a single episode that bumps us to where we need to be presently where they maybe make a notation or or make a mention of what happened in elseworlds um and they'll go from there but i'm sure that they've thought thought that through very very clearly so
1: yeah yeah i'm sure as well um so when it comes to this episode though like putting crisis aside for right now i trust me we're titling it uh, you know um Countdown to Crisis. We're going to be talking about Crisis a lot as these shows progress, uh, especially with Flash just this morning. Um, but let's talk about the episode itself and kind of put, you know, move Crisis to the side. When when it comes to this episode, what were some of the strongest points that you feel this episode really showed?
0: I mean, honestly, right off the bat, I would say Ruby Rose. I, I really thought she w- did a great job of carrying my attention through the entirety of this. She seems like she's going to be a really interesting character that kind of feels like a perfect blend between who Oliver and Barry are as as characters, especially in their first seasons, because she's got this kind of fun brashness to her. I mean, again, it's not to say that she's this amalgamation of these two people, but it, it's, she has, it feels like our favorite qualities out of those two characters that we've seen, melting it into one with a little bit more of an edgier tone. But I think it's going to be fun. I really think it's going to be a lot of fun to watch because she also has some pretty significant emotional damage as well that she's kind of working through in trauma and it, just like bruce i mean it, it has all of these great angles to it and i think that there's so much you can explore and like already the fact that gotham is such a rich city and it's got such a rich history and it feels like we're gonna see a lot more of that traditional take on a lot of the world of gotham versus Like the show Gotham itself, what it did, where that took its own kind of concepts and ideas. This feels like it's going to be a lot tighter to what the comic is, and it feels like they're about to embrace it in a big way. It felt like they left that seed here in just a matter of uh, 41 minutes and said, this is what we're about to do, and I believed it by the end of it.
1: Yeah, I I agree with that a lot. I mean, and one of the things I'm really excited about, too, is, you know, a lot of people have been saying, especially when it comes to Arrow in particular, uh, and, you know, us getting introduced to Batman villains and some Batman mythos kind of mixed into Arrow is a lot of people have been clamoring for one way or another for Batman to come into the Arrowverse. And we've gotten mentions of Bruce Wayne before, but we've never really gotten anything else other than that. And I think this is a great way to kind of introduce Um, If not just, you know, some kind of bat character and kind of even use more of the Batman mythos, like you said, with Gotham City, Gotham City, I'm almost confident, and I'm sure you'll probably agree with me with this, is going to be just as much of a character in this show as the characters themselves. Oh, my God,
0: absolutely. I, I, I fully agree with you on that.
1: Yeah, because, I mean, you know, Gotham City itself has such a rich mythos in its own. And we even get some of that in this episode. I thought the the whole, um, you know, it's been three years since Batman left the city. Uh, the whole idea of the fact that this city has been holding on to hope for Batman's return for three years. You know, I, I love showed that how much appreciation the city had for the Bat. Um you know, but then to turn around and you know have a ten thousand dollar a plate dinner just to watch the light being turned off kind of showed a great transition as to how you know the hope is kind of gone, and when the hope goes away, greed kind of takes over again.
0: Yeah, it, it, it's it definitely feels like, and they even said that you know like the, the movie in the park um, thing was the first big public event happening in the city. Like they're willing to move on and try to become the Gotham that it used to be. But it, they've established really quickly that in this these past three years, the city has become hell, uh, essentially. And we have already been established that from Elseworlds last year. But you could really really feel it in just the interactions between you know the mayor of the city, which we know which we know is Kate's stepmother, you know, and how all that plays into this. But just the way that like the security team, like are, like led by her father, uh, is kind of handling things in the absence of Batman. Uh, Which is, I think, really fun. I love this idea that there's going to be this weird mystery behind what happened to Bruce kind of existing through the through line of this entire show. Whether it's just in this one season and we eventually, just like Supergirl, get Batman later down the road, whatever it may be. But I really love the fact that 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 hangs in the air and it's hanging over Kate in a way, too. Like, you felt it hanging over Kate. like Because, like, she's realizes what is going on with bruce's history and her finding out that he was batman all of these things and how that ties to her past about losing her sister elizabeth when she was a kid and a horrific accident and the death of her mother in that same accident uh which kind of started to define her and helped define her relationship between her and her father through all of these things and i feel like in such a short amount of time they gave us a reason to care about the large majority of this cast very quickly, but also established one of probably, and some people may disagree with me, but one of the best introductions to a very strong villain uh, in a very short period of time.
1: And yeah, I mean, and Alice seems to me when it comes to a villain, she seems like kind of like, uh, you know, you mentioned an amalgamation of how Batwoman is to uh, you know Barry and, and Barry and Oliver. I feel like she kind of is a little bit of a mix of a bunch of different characters, but I'm totally fine with the way it worked uh, because the whole—I mean—and it was a little predictable that Alice turns out to be Ruby's sister. Uh, well, not Ruby, I mean um, Kate's sister. Well, I mean um, it, it was meant to be, you know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and especially you know, if but,
0: you know the comics, I mean, everybody knows. Well, Alice is Elizabeth Kane, so. It, but I so mean as, if you, if you as know somebody like history,
1: right. Yeah, I mean and for somebody like me who's never read any of the Batwoman comics who really only knows just a, a handful of things when it comes to to Batwoman, um, you know, cuz I wasn't from I knew of Alice but I didn't know the relationship between Kate and Alice. Um, you know, now that I know and I kind of saw it coming as as I was watching the episode, but it didn't matter to me because it was so well presented that I, it didn't bother me that it was predictable.
0: Yeah, I mean, like they did the they did the nice thing where they doled out the information little by little by little throughout the episode. So when like, and I really appreciated, it, and it's something again. I always go back to saying something I really love about a lot of the CW shows, whether it's you know other things on the air like Supernatural, all those things. There's certain things that they do is they tr- do their best not to drag out stuff that uh, to make the audience like feel dumber than they are, or, or treat the audience like they're dumber than they are, you know. And they were like, no, we're going to give that to you right up front. That's who this character is so we can establish a more twisted relationship between the two of them through the, the through line for this first season because we know Elizabeth is our big bad, a.k.a. Alice, uh, through this entire first season. So they're establishing basically the equivalent of Kate's Joker from the start. And I'm like, done and done. Let's do yeah. it up. Uh, yeah. and, and the fact that that character was essentially created by the Joker, so which is kind of interesting because yeah. that was a – it was the Joker hijacking the bus that caused that accident that Bruce was, as Batman was chasing down. So I kind of love that there's that tie to it uh, on how they're doing this.
1: So yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, you know, and when it comes to backstory and things like that, you know, and, and they didn't, they didn't rush through certain things. I mean, we, we got to talk about obviously the whole LGBT. Uh, element to the character, which we knew was the thing. But what I liked about it too was they didn't make it a focus of the episode. We got a couple moments that kind of made it very clear that that's who she was as a person. Um, and then but the the brilliant thing about that was that while it established that about her character, it also was a driving point to kind of show how the relationship was going to be between her and another character later towards you know towards the end of the episode. Uh you know we saw how things were going to be with her and Sophie as the series progressed because Sophie was somebody she was in a relationship with and who is now married in the current timeline. So obviously that's going to be a big story driven part of the series. So but they didn't you know put too much focus on it. They didn't make it like they didn't feel like that it was a nail they had to drive in was this is something about her. You have to know this. It was like, OK, we've introduced you to this. We're moving on to the story now, which I felt worked really well.
0: Yeah, I think they did a good job with all of that. And especially the way that kind of like Ruby uh, Ruby Rose, uh, the way she's portraying Kate, you know, when Kate's kind of main line is trying to be there to impress her father and be the best of the best of the best so she can become an agent for the crows. I mean, I, all this stuff I thought was really, really interesting. And I thought that worked well, but you're right. But I love a lot of that. It was tied to the fact of her trying to reconnect with Sophie through all of this. So, yeah, I I, I will say straight up, I, I really thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, but there is one character we haven't talked about yet, though, which is Luke Fox. Luke. Uh, Lucius, uh, in, in other words, Lucius. Lu- well, well, it, it's Lucius's son. So That's what I figured. Yeah. 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 It, it's, it's I mean, Luke Fox uh, becomes Batwing in the comics. Like he is another. Another part of the Bat family is out there as well. So Ooh, um, I, I had
1: no idea. Yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, oddly enough, right now, too, uh, DC Comics, for those of you that are currently reading, there is a large rumbling that they're about to start the fifth generation of heroes, um, which, aka, they're about to make the next major move in comics. Uh, basically saying, you know, if you think about, like, the original Crisis of Infinite Earths was the end of, like, the third generation of heroes. Then we or actually, no, that was the end of the second generation. It was kind of the end of the Silver Age going into what became the modern age, so on and so forth. And all these things are kind of bumping the generations up. But the rumor is that in the fifth generation of heroes that Wonder Woman, well, okay, oh, sorry, Diana Prince, Clark Kent and Bruce Wayne and a large amount of other heroes are all stepping down from being the characters that they are. And they're going to become other things. And Luke Fox right now is the one rumored that's going to be the new Batman. Oh, interesting. And and apparently this may be lasting for several years. And those old characters that we know are essentially going to become new characters in the part of the new JSA. Oh, kind, okay. of, k- kind of like if you think about like how like, you know, our, our parents grew up with like Alan Scott and all these. And then eventually they they aged up those characters and they said, well, they're going to be the JSA now. And we have a brand new Justice League and a new generation of heroes. Yeah, so it sounds like that's what's about to happen. So it's kind of cool to see that we have Luke kind of becoming a major focal point here, but we will probably see him later down the road, transition into Batwing. And uh, maybe if the rumors are true, yeah, he is a person that later becomes Batman. So,
1: I mean, it's an interest. yeah, it's an interesting element bringing him into it. Um, like you said, because he does become the Batwing, but I think for right now, they're mainly using him as the Lucius character. Uh, you know, the way Lucius was the Batman, Luke is the Batwoman. He, I'm pretty sure probably for at least this season, he's the one that's going to help her transition into this role
0: oh absolutely but i i really appreciated too that it was kind of it didn't feel like a carbon copy of the other kind of caretaker slash tech characters that we've had in other shows it didn't feel like he was trying to be felicity or uh curtis or cisco he felt like his own thing which i was a little worried about um so i was happy that he definitely felt like his own thing here
1: yeah, uh, I will say uh, one fun thing that I did notice uh, after I watched all the shows this week, I actually just happened to go back and rewatch the Elseworlds crossover, uh, just because I've been itching to do it for a while. And one fun thing I did notice is that in the premiere of Batman, after she breaks into Wayne Manor and she handcuffs uh, Luke uh, to the to the server, and she's like, "The password's still Alfred. You really need to change that." Uh, <laughs> yeah. In the Elseworlds crossover, when um, When she's talking to, uh, you know, the gang, when she's talking to Barry and uh, and Kara and all them, uh, she happens to tell uh, one of them that the Wi-Fi password is Alfred. Yeah. So apparently she herself never changed the password <laughs> <laughs> or at least not to the Wi-Fi. Which I think was I think was a lot of fun. So even after all the time that's passed, the password still is the same when it comes to, that's, that, to the computer. That's
0: that's pretty awesome. Um, yeah. What's pretty cool though here is uh, uh, as I'm just on the IMD page as I was looking at a few things. I did not realize that Elizabeth Tulloch is coming into play, Lois Lane in this, not just in Crisis. Oh, I had uh, no idea. Yeah, she is listed for another episode coming up called "Tell Me the Truth." Um, but yeah, it looks like Batwoman is part two. Of Crisis on Infinite Earths.
1: So. Okay, yeah, I know the. I, yeah, I think Supergirl is one, uh, Batwoman is two, The Flash is three, and also the mid season finale, mm-hmm. and then Arrow and Legends of Tomorrow. I think are the final two when they when the right. show comes back. Correct, correct. So,
0: which... but yeah, no, very. Uh, this is. I, I will say though, I, I did thoroughly, thoroughly enjoy it. I think one of the biggest gripes I did have about this is I thought that. You mentioned that there was a scene for you with Ruby Rose, and I'll let you get to that in a second. But for me, what I thought was um, that kept it from being like a fantastic kickoff was I thought the pacing got a little weird at times. And by that, I mean um, the way that they integrated things like uh, where the flashback sequences were, where some of the narration of her talking about the scenes where it was kind of bouncing all over the place. And I do like the fact that there's the narration because it feels like a Batman thing where it has that noir quality. So I hope they do continue that. I think it's them finding their footing on how having a something in the moment, a flat uh, occasional flashbacks and this noir quality all working together and trying to make sure that that flows a little smoother. I think it just bounced around a little bit and it was more so only in the first maybe 10 minutes of the episode. Um, And then it kind of it stayed focused. But I think that very first 10 minutes felt a little unsure of what it was trying to accomplish. Uh, but I think once once it got through those few minutes, I think they're like, OK, cool. We got this.
1: Yeah. So. I mean, and yeah. And when it comes to, you know, that the the whole narration of everything, you know, we see her at the end of the episode writing notes and we find out this is basically a a journal entry that she is making to Bruce. Uh, and when she places the book back, there are a lot of journals up on that desk. So hopefully I think you're I think you're right. And I hope you're right that this is something that they continue in that she's basically Chronicling her story to tell to Bruce when Bruce returns,
0: and I love that. I think it's a great idea.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's a great way to handle the narration, the narration of the story. Yeah, uh, I love and, it, and incorporate it into everything. Uh, yeah, the only thing, the only gripe I really had, like I said, I think there was one moment where Ruby Rose's acting was a little, a little kind of monotone. Um, there's the scene where she's talking to her father Jacob, and they're, it's the whole emotional reveal of that you never wanted me to be here. You know, and, you know, I, I sent you to the military and when you got out and she's like, I'm not the person you want me to be and that whole that whole thing. I felt like I, I felt like her acting for such an emotional scene kind of came off a little monotone, like I mentioned.
0: Well, I think it wasn't even just her. I, I think it also came from Gray Scott as well. Uh, Jacob, I, I, her her dad, because he even kind of came off that way. And I think a lot of it, too, is it's figuring out how to act off of each other. Uh, as you're working on a new project i think we'll see a lot of that i'm sure change but you're right there were were a couple scenes like that that i think like you're watching the chemistry develop between certain people it's like you go to the flash and the flash was like oh my god everybody like plays off of each other fantastic but like the big argument in the flash was that iris and barry just didn't feel like they connected but by like the end of the first season you're like there we go Uh, that feels right you know yeah yeah you have
1: to find your footing
0: yeah, and I think that's really what it's going to be, and I think it's a little less about I think the actors and the actresses' abilities in the show, more versus more about where the chemistry is, the the building of the chemistry between everybody here. We also know Ruby actually got pretty seriously injured, yeah, um, and you know she had a, an emergency surgery on her neck. Um, you know, I I don't know what what episode it was that you know that was in, but it was it had to have been in the first handful. One or two, first episode or two. So I wouldn't be surprised if we see uh, if that has a small impact in early episodes. So,
1: yeah, yeah, it's 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 a wait and see for that as well. Um, The only other question I have for you is uh, when it comes to Jacob, you know, Kate's father, do you think there's a little more to him that meets the eye? Like there's maybe some nefarious. To him, no, uh, I, no, like Jacob
0: in the in the comics, like you know, uh, you know, uh, he was a Colonel. I, I want to say it was Colonel Kane, um, because he was for worked for the military. So versus kind of do what they're doing here with the crow security thing, uh. But no, he, him and Kate ultimately have a pretty strong relationship. Kind of okay. think about Barry and Papa Joe. So. okay,
1: okay, fair enough. Um, yeah, I w- again, I mean, okay. I've never read them so I wasn't I wasn't sure. Right.
0: There's a little bit more of that undercurrent like we're, we're, we are seeing here. Like, you know, it's not like all sunshine and rainbows between the two of them, but they do have a pretty strong relationship overall. So I think you're seeing her deal with the past trauma stuff, them laying that stuff out now, but then they're going to kind of start building that up, but we I think we're going to see them have a pretty strong relationship throughout the entirety of the series.
1: Okay. Fair enough. Uh, yeah, so real quick, we'll hit some of the feedback that we got on the Facebook page from some of the from some of our, uh, our primers out there. Uh, our buddy Shad said, I liked it, but I feel like I'm going to grow tired of that villain really fast. Also, I'm kind of over daddy issues. Uh, Michael Franks, I thought the pilot episode of Batwoman was pretty cool. I'm actually looking forward to seeing more episodes. Ruby Rose did a great job with her fight scenes. She makes it look believable when she beats the tar out of Gotham scumbags. Uh, uh, let's see John Fuller I really enjoyed it as well I think it's got potential to be really good uh, JM Winstead interesting we have to remember this takes place before the last season's Sarah vs. Christ crossover which we mentioned earlier uh, Odessa po- Wells no, uh, I enjoyed it and guessed the villain but I'm on board um, Tito Prunet I love it great job keep it going best uh, Tiffany Benton best show ever so you know positive feedback from the viewers when it comes, I think to there it. was one person that was
0: like, "Meh, Meh yeah,
1: <laughs> that was it. He he did the, the old, the the good old Simpsons. Meh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, again, it to each their own.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You know, uh, like I said, I'm excited. I, I, I honestly would say if people are big fans of the Arrowverse and you're not sure, uh, give use our rule, give it the first three or four episodes. If yep. it's not for you. Don't be afraid to move on. I think a lot of people are going to stay on regardless until at least Crisis. I'd be curious to find out how it's doing ratings-wise. And most of these shows, how they're doing ratings-wise after Crisis is wrapped.
1: Yeah, agreed. Agreed. Uh, So next week for Batwoman uh, Season 1, Episode 2, The Rabbit Hole, Uh, Jacob Kane and the Crows up the stakes. Kate continues to look for Bruce Wayne's legacy for guidance. Oh, look to Bruce's legacy for guidance as Luke Fox inadvertently gets pulled into Batwoman's vigilante heroics. So, yeah, I'm, again... I'm gonna keep going with it, uh, and just to see how everything's gonna play out. Because I was pleasantly surprised, well, we have with the pilot. (laughs) So, yes, that's that's fair. Yeah, we we. You don't get a choice. (laughs) So, this is very true. Uh, All right, let's move on to Supergirl. Season 5, Episode 1, Event Horizon. Kara is surprised to find Catco has a new owner who has brought in a star reporter. New couples emerge and explore their budding relationships. John Jones receives an unexpected visitor. Uh, I want to say, first off, I'm going to kind of share in a Facebook post that our buddy Shad made in that uh, the music selections... For uh, this week's episodes, especially Flash and Supergirl in particular, uh, are top notch using supermassive black hole by Muse. (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) During a scene
1: where you're trying to close. Oddly enough, I'm just realizing this now. Both shows having to deal with a black hole.
0: Yeah, that was kind of amusing, but hey, why not?
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. But you know, when they're dealing with this black hole in the auditorium and supermassive black hole from Muse starts playing, I was like, yeah, that's pretty choice music selection right there. You don't you don't get any better than that. So, yeah. but let's start obviously with with um you know with the things that we're getting out of this. You know, we get as we mentioned, we get the the, the debut of Kara's new costume, we get the, the fallout from uh, Lena finding out that Kara is Supergirl throughout this episode. Uh, and we get a new owner to to uh, to Catco, which it took me about half the episode. I knew I recognized the actress from somewhere, and it took me about half the episode to realize where I know her from. Where is she from? It was driving me nuts. If you have you seen the movie Dodgeball? I have. Uh she is the girl that Justin Long is pining for—that <laughs> cheerleader. <laughs> that's right. That that's he ends so right. up with at the end of the movie. That's funny. Yeah, Julie Gonzalo. It took. I was the same way. I'm like, I know her from somewhere. Where is she from? And about halfway through the episode, it clicked. I'm like, oh, she's the girl from Dodgeball. Now I got it. Very so. Nice. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I'll kick it over to you again. What were some of the strengths of this of this premiere? Because you were the one that said this was the one that didn't hold your interest as much.
0: Uh, you know what? And I hate to say that because I, I think I think really it was it was the fact that it was trying to get things adjusted to deal with what's what's happening or or what's happening with the cast more than anything. Because, like I said, as we mentioned, that Mikad Brooks is leaving the show. uh, it felt like what they were doing was was really just all about having uh, Andrea Rojas come in, shake things up, basically turn it into a, you know, CatCo into like a clickbait site, uh, and then just kind of being done with it. Uh, and Basically saying, hey, everybody, uh, this isn't about journalistic integrity anymore. And if you try to do anything, you have a non-compete, so you're kind of screwed in SOL. Uh, but that being the reasoning, I think for James leaving, I mean, it makes sense for his character, but I, at the same time though, too, this felt like this was more all about James's departure than it was, or setting up James's departure than it was setting up anything else. Uh, because ultimately you like we, we, there was a confusing scene in my brain where we see Kara kind of confront Andrea and kind of like, Hey, I'm not going to be pushed around. I'm not going to be, you know, uh, kind of push into your little kind of game here of this is how you want to do things and then it, she's just kind of like yeah I wasn't asking you to and I'm like you just did three minutes ago on screen <laughs> I'm like I'm like this doesn't make any sense I, I couldn't follow the logic and then like you have kind of Kara a couple like a scene later when she's like getting her Pulitzer award where she basically is you know, relaying this to Alex, but she's kind of backpedaling in her statement there too. And it was this kind of, I wasn't sure what was happening there. It, it it just felt poorly worded is the best way I can put it. It just, they didn't seem like they knew what they wanted to do except utilize it to move James out. I mean, obviously we know Andrea Rojas and you know, the, you know, she's going to have a huge part of probably being most likely our big bad for the season i would say. Yeah, yeah, right cuz she's gu-
1: she's going to become Akrata. I think is right. how you pronounce it. Yeah.
0: Uh but again, we know she also has her tech company that's got to impact a lot of things in the long term. So we're going to see that play out really heavily through all of these things. So it but it feels like um it was less about setting her up as being a villain uh, and more of setting her up as just being an annoyance and i feel like she never felt credible as a threat which concerns me a little bit. The one person that did feel credible definitely by the end was Lena. I thought what they did with Katie McGrath this episode was really kind of fantastic. I I really, really thought she was, she was wonderful, but I will say the fact that the bulk of the episode, purely dealing with kind of a middling, you know, entrance to Andrea's character and, and, the way that they're kind of they handled things just to kick things off uh really just kind of being you know right like pro at well as as proactive as they can nail to deal with McCad's like you know departure but again it just it needed a lot more I feel like it really did
1: well I mean it's 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 funny that you say it needed a lot more because I feel like in some ways the the premiere was a little convoluted um You know, and it it kind of tried to push too much of a narrative uh, in through this. When I say narrative, like pushing the story forward, Uh, because not only did we get the the introduction to Andrea, as you mentioned, uh, who we know is going to become a different character by the end. And, you know, giving us that introduction to the uniform, which was relatively very quick, that was kind of moved. It was like, hey, your cape got torn. Here's a ring. It's now nanotech. So everybody's going the way of Iron Man, apparently, when it comes to costumes. Uh, you it know. did look good, though. I
0: did, I oh, it looked great. How, how,
1: yeah, yeah. It, um, it,
0: it, it, it happened very slowly, because they really wanted you to savor that moment. But Yeah, I have a feeling
1: the next time we see it, it's going to be pretty pretty quick
0: instant yeah
1: yeah um you know and the whole moving the glasses down which brings up an interesting question i
0: love that i love that idea that it's if you dramatically remove your glasses the costume will appear i'm like that's awesome yeah (laughs) it's it's
1: great uh but her costume has no pockets what does she do with the glasses when she's done like it's just a piece of logic that made me laugh i'm like okay where does she keep the glasses to put them back on when she's done
0: where where did Kara leave her her clothes normally whenever she to transform that is previously though that is so. a good point sir touche <laughs>
1: well well played well played on that um but you know but in addition to as you mentioned you know bringing in andrea to kind of push Mikad brooks out and or get ready to move Mikad brooks not push him but move him out uh and the carolina aspect of it all they brought midnight into it already as well who i feel like is going to be a temporary big bad kind of the same thought of process that you had Oh,
0: well, Mid- Mid- Midnight was I think a one off villain um, that we saw here in this episode it, that really was just oh yeah they the, did
1: wrap the, that the, up by the end yeah
0: yeah because that was just because uh, she's back in the Phantom Zone by the end of the episode it was it was really it's it was the setup of uh, Andre Rojas and then Malefic or Malefic sorry, Malefic yeah uh, yeah
1: uh, and that was really it do we feel like Malefic is going to be another villain uh, and more a focus of John's journey of this uh, season or. Yeah. Oh,
0: absolutely. I, I he's going to be a large part of it, at least up until crisis, at least up until crisis, because the monitor is the one that did bring him into the fold.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's oh, yeah. Which we found out at the end of the crossover uh, at the end of the season last year.
0: And um, wonderfully again, and wonderfully played by Phil, Phil, Phil Lamar. Lamar. Phil
1: Lamar. Yeah, I love it. So
0: so another Justice League animated series alum. That played alongside Carl Lumby. So very kind of cool because he was uh, Jon Stewart yeah. uh, Green Lantern. So uh,
1: cool. I loved seeing Kate Micucci in this episode uh, as the museum tour guide. Uh, for anybody who doesn't know, Kate McCucci is actually a... She, Rob and I record in the Philadelphia-ish area. Uh, and Kate McCucci is local to where we are. Plus, we know her from other things like uh, Big Bang Theory... And oh, God, for the life scrubs, the- scrubs was another big one for Scrub- her. And then again, uh, and then what is the uh, what band it, uh, that she's in?
0: It's uh, Garfunkel and Oates. Garfunkel
1: and Oates. That's it. Yeah, right. So um, wonderful little character actress. So it was great seeing her pop up. And but yeah, I mean, so again, it's it's very. Like you mentioned, it's it's very kind of cookie cutter when it comes to a season premiere. Maybe trying to push everything a little bit in, but I think the one thing we really have to talk about, with the exception of, I think we've talked enough about, you know, how they're setting up Mikad's departure from the show. Uh, there's obviously a lot of humor and heart coming from the whole uh, dreamer and brainiac uh, Nia and uh, and brainy element of the um, of the story, and them kind of having. Dealing with their new budding relationship when it comes to everything. But let's talk a little bit about the whole Kara and Lena uh, situation because they really pushed that hard. And I feel like I kind of agree with you. That was one of the strongest elements of this episode.
0: Oh, absolutely. I think that was that was hands down the best part of the episode. And honestly, they did give that a good amount of screen time. I would say that probably was maybe about 15 minutes in of the total runtime of the episode, which is a high amount. And it rightfully so I really, really, really feel that both Melissa and uh, Katie just rocked and crushed every scene that they were in together. Uh, they play off of each other so incredibly well. And I, I loved watching, you know, Cara kind of saying, is spilling her guts saying, Hey, look, this is who I am. And it, Causes Lena to pump the brakes about going public with with Kara's identity of being Supergirl. But we do see at the end of the episode uh, this great moment of, you know, Kara coming to visit Lena, gives her a signal watch and kind of is this kind of like, hey, look, you know, anytime you need me, I promise I won't keep anything from you. Kara flies off and then you see Lena is just like. Uh, you know, a Luther never forgets. Yeah. And you're like, and you see that heel turn click, and you're like, oh, this is going to be great. Yeah. I am so pumped to see where this
1: could go. Do we think she could potentially be a big bad of the season or a big bad to a point? I, I Generally, I do not know.
0: I, I, It's the question of, is she going to be tied in? Like, we had some predictions that she was going to be tied into this whole new tech stuff, and she very well may be tied in with Andrea Rojas, uh, into some some point. Well, I uh, think she is. How things play out. I,
1: I think she is because I, let's not forget when it came to when Lena was ready to send the file, of who Supergirl is and Kara's identity, she was getting ready to send it to Andrea. Now, well, I don't...
0: Well I, well, I mean, going forward, I mean, it was it was evident in the episode, but I mean, going forward, is she going to be tied into this the, the the tech company? Is Elcor and that tech company going to be working together, or is Lena going to try to take over that company and do? more damage or you leverage that information that gotcha. they're using. Um, so that's, I, I'm curious That's if that's where it's going to go.
1: When it came to Lena getting ready to send uh, uh, Andrea that file, do you think, because the impression that I got is that basically Lena told her, I have a breaking story for you. I will send it to you and, and you can publish it. Andrea didn't know what was included with the story. She might have known it might have been Supergirl's identity, but she wasn't told who it was.
0: No, I don't think she knew any of any of the information. All she knew is that something massive was about to come in that was going to change the face of catco Okay, that's all she was kind of told, and so we're going to definitely watch this kind of rivalry between Andrea and Lena. I think pretty consistently, uh, But it's the question of what Lena's ultimate goal is going to be here. So
1: okay, all right, um. Yeah, I mean, uh, the only other thing I can really mention about the episode, it was great seeing James suit up as Guardian again. Uh, I love the fact that they brought the character back in, even though he's leaving, leaving, which makes me really gives me hope that we're going to get a more traditional Guardian uh, at some point this season with somebody else taking over the role and repainting the costume. uh, Repainting the armor, I would love to see that. it could happen. Yep. I'd love to see it. Uh, but other than that, the only other thing I thought was a lot of fun was um, Lena's AI, Hope, uh, is another very familiar voice. and uh, That being um, Kari Walgren, who has done a ton of other voiceover stuff, including uh, Starfire from Team Titans Judas Contract. Correct. So, yep. you know, another DC alum in some ways coming in and and doing something else when it comes to the show so yeah it was cool uh some of the feedback from people online when it comes to this episode of supergirl uh, as soon as my computer scrolls up there we go uh this episode was great but i feel that lena will be taking a page out of the prometheus playbook Eh, let's wait and see we'll find out um let's see awesome episode supergirl gets better and better uh, and then our buddy, buddy Shad, someone help out, help me out. What was that song during the climax? And I posted back Muse, supermassive black hole. Uh, and Robert Dougherty says Lena had me fooled. So yeah, a lot of people, again, maybe sharing some of the same things that we did, but you know, overall people seem to enjoy the episode. Great. Uh, Next week, we do season five, episode two, Stranger Beside Me, Supergirl, Alex and Brainiac thwart an alien attack while William investigates Kara. Uh, John Jones and Kelly use Obsidian Tech to solve a problem. So that leaves us with one more show to talk about. And honestly, out of all of them, this is the one I'm more excited to talk about purely for that one particular scene let's be honest i was gonna
0: say i think the rest of the discussion of the episode is gonna be relatively thin (laughs) so (laughs) yeah
1: uh exactly uh so season six episode one the season premiere into the void when barry and iris deal with the loss of their daughter the team faces their greatest threat yet one that threatens to destroy all of central city killer frost has a brush with death that will change her relationship with caitlin um so I, I found this fairly interesting because I know one of the things we found out when it comes to, uh, you know, this episode and this we, we've we heard that this season was going to start immediately after uh, the end of last season, which it did. But it was maybe two minutes and then it jumps forward a number of months. So, it was-
0: uh, yeah, I mean, it, well, I think it was more or less people were trying to throw people off when it's kind of like, well, what, what can you tell us about the season? Like, a lot of those actors can't say much. It's just kind of like, hey, uh, this is how it starts. <laughs> they didn't give us any promises about things. So yeah, I think that was fine.
1: Yeah, it was kind of a little bit of a smokescreen when it came to telling us that. But, you know, hey, it, it worked because, you know, when it jumped forward, I, it was very intriguing what they did with the story about how, like, yeah, it's even though it's been a couple months later, it still kind of is kind of jumping right off the end of last season because for the most part it's Barry and Iris still dealing with the death of their daughter with the death of XS. So yeah,
0: I, they're 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 in you know intense mourning through all all of the the majority of the episode and kind of coming to terms by the end, y- which I think was a really kind of it kind of felt like a great epilogue and a great jumping off point for where the season can go. Yeah, and that's what I thought was really nice about it. It was it addressed a major tragedy, kind of similar to some of the starts of the best seasons we've gotten of the Flash in the past, where it, it, it's a lot of interesting kind of twists and takes that kind of you know stem from them. But it was cool to see them really address kind of a major a major c- a circumstance like that. That wasn't just left to, well, she sacrificed herself for us uh who wants to who wants to go to jitters for a cup of coffee you know it 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 felt it felt earned and which was a good
1: part about it yeah exactly um so you know we there there's quite it's you know not a huge amount that happens in this episode but we do get quite a few things i mean with in particular that one scene which we will kind of probably save for last uh we we get to see our old uh our, our, one of our fan favorites, Godspeed, return in a way we see him return. Uh, as we- And most likely, and my my
0: prediction, setting up our big bad of Godspeed for the second half of the season. Okay. Um, because the fact that they said this is, like, what, the third or fourth Godspeed that they caught in the last several months. Yeah. And all of them, as Cisco put it, are basically speaking like an old 56k broad modem. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it's, it's just... The fact that they're nonverbal, they're not really functioning. So I'm, I'm curious. If, I, I would be surprised if we don't see Godspeed play a major factor and a major role post crisis. Post crisis, because, and that's my guess is they, you know, the showrunners knew and know how excited people were. So if they teased us with that and the comment that there's been multiple Godspeeds already since last season over the last several months. They've got to be building to something huge. I mean, ultimately, though, too, this is also could just be a signal of kind of like, hey, a crisis is coming in. They're all pouring in. The This, this is a different version pouring in from different timelines and multiple Earths right now. As, as another part of the looming threat coming. So it could be one or the other, but I would not be surprised if Godspeed is our big bad for the second
1: half. Yeah, very true. Uh, I think the other thing that, that really kind of as a Flash fan got me excited was with the return of Ralph Dibney uh, showing up in his suit after being sent away to uh, investigate a missing person. Because uh, when he mentions the name of the person he is investigating and trying to find, it is the person we know who will eventually become Sue Dibney.
0: Yep. So he's still hunting for Sue Dearborn. Yes. So very cool. And again, it's it, it very ties nice and tightly to the end of last season. I love the fact that it's kind of like this is where Ralph has been the last couple of months. He We saw him with that missing persons case initially at the end of last season when they were doing the wrap up. And it's it, we get to now watch him go through this his own mystery through here so I'm really excited to watch that play out I, I don't know about you but I'm really really pumped to see Sue's entrance
1: no I am uh indeed because one I'm mean, not just for the fact of seeing a character like this finally enter into this universe uh because we have Ralph now it's it's only great that we get Sue uh but because just Hartley Sawyer is so good at playing that character and he's been such a character who is in in just two seasons has had such a massive journey as being somebody who's you know You know, he went from a character who when we first met him was kind of a failure, but was overly confident, not knowing he was a failure, then transitioned into kind of realizing he's that failure and being really down on himself and then working with the rest of the team to kind of build himself up. And now he's not only a character who ensues confidence, sometimes overly a little too much, um, but he's really coming to himself as as a superhero. And seeing Ralph play that, I think it's only right. And I think, as a fan of that character, to see him find his other half. And, you know, especially when he's always throwing out like these playbooks to Cisco and things like that.
0: And then we got the book of Ralph part two. In this yes. One. I, I loved it.
1: <laughs> you know, so I think it's going to be a great, interesting and a great, interesting element and a play on his character to see him kind of as somebody who's come across as a little bit of a player and a little bit of a ladies man to when he meets Sue Dearborn, this is kind of him going to be struck by lightning. Uh, in that this is somebody who's going to change his life once again, and he's going to fall for this character, and we're going to see them together. So, uh, if just for that alone, I'm very excited for Sue Dearborn to come into it. Yeah, so absolutely. Um, let's see what else can we kind of where else do we want to go with this episode? Um,
0: yeah, one of the other things I think we can definitely talk about is, like I said, you know, as far as the Killer Frost storyline in this is, we do see. You know, Frost and Caitlin kind of come to terms and realize that Frost is going to need to be behind the driver's seat a little longer. Uh, so we kind of do see that play out, which, again, that wonderful shot near the end of the episode where it's Frost. of like, How do I live a life? And that's when we again to go back to seeing Ralph come in and just drop the book of Ralph part. Yeah, two. And it's like I've got some ideas. <laughs> so uh, but I, I did think that was a kind of a cool concept and a cool story piece. I still would love to see that just become one character. Still, hopefully, by the end of the season, I, I, I don't think it's going to happen. But I think
1: that's the way it's going to play. How do you, so. how do you think they could become one character? Though, do you think it would just be Caitlin and Frost just, ex- just coexist at the same time? Like she, uh, you know, because I yeah. don't know. Because in my opinion, if you did that, you would have to just, dis- you'd basically have to kill off one of the characters.
0: Uh, you, in they a sense, could end up doing that. They could end up choosing to do that, too, though. (laughs) So they could say, you know, the only way to stay alive is for one of us to sacrifice ourselves in the process. And I could see Caitlyn being the person that sacrifices herself and allowing Frost to remain. So I I think it's I think they finally figured out something interesting to do with Caitlyn because it feels like she's been a little stagnant for a little while. Um, And I I think we're going to be able to now see kind of a completely, no pun intended, completely different side of her throughout the season uh what she can be capable of so i'm curious to see now frost's interaction with a lot of people versus caitlin's interactions that we've already seen and know
1: and so. and her new costume looks great
0: yeah oh speaking of costumes man holy crap yeah it, it just all across the episode two amazingly this gorgeous costume yeah uh the new flash suit looks
1: it looks so stunning. good i think all it needs is the the gold boots
0: yeah i mean if they did the gold boots i mean like we've got it feels like a direct rip like rip from the pages of the comics but i loved it i i thought it looked so good i think to this i will say right now this is the best costume for the flash agreed they have had thus
1: far and it makes me wonder too because you know colors Valdez has come out and said like out of all the costumes they've done uh you know the his favorite costume of anybody's costume debuts this season um I, if he's not talking about the flash costume i'm very curious as to what costume he's talking about probably the kingdom come
0: superman <laughs> so oh <laughs> i didn't even think
1: about that
0: let's be honest man like i that's like when you when we all saw that picture we, our jaws were just on the floor yeah Uh, um it's just stunning it's so stunning yeah
1: agreed um i think one of the other important things we need to mention about this episode before we get into like our favorite scenes and our favorite scene and obviously the end of the episode uh is we're introduced to our first half season big bad in in this episode in dr ramsey rosso uh played by Senthill from uh who we know from uh, Suresh from Heroes and such so we know eventually he is going to become Bloodwork yeah. right? at, at, and probably some point relatively soon because well, we do see he, the transition he, kind of happen he, at the end we
0: definitely saw, saw that start he started becoming Bloodwork definitely by the end of the episode so
1: yeah yeah so I'm very curious I'm not familiar with him uh, very much at all so yeah. I'm very curious as to where this this character is going to progress yeah
0: I, I mean I think they did a good job kicking him kicking him off as is kind of this entry level big bad for the season because it plays really heavily with this whole idea of um trying to remain you know immortal through all of this right now especially how that ties to barry trying to want to stay alive because of what we learned at the very end of the episode so i think that was a cool way to kind of handle that
1: yeah yeah for sure um so which one do we want to touch on first? Do we want to touch on our favorite scene or do, do we? I think we should do that and then save the end of the episode for the end of the conversation.
0: I think that makes sense. Uh, uh,
1: but yeah, I mean, we get one of probably one of my favorite moments from this series so far in something I was when we finally got it. I was surprised how much I wanted it and didn't realize I wanted it. At the time, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. No, I, I I, totally follow you. <laughs>
1: so, so, uh, you know, because, you know, as I mentioned at the top of the podcast, there's one part of this year. Se- there's one part of this episode that co- that if we got it the way it was without the added element, it would have come across completely cheesy. And that's Barry running around a black hole to dive into it. Uh, you know, to kind of grab um, the one character's consciousness, which was trapped inside of it. So, I mean, had we gotten that, it again, it would have come across totally cheesy. But what saves that scene and what just added, made that scene so great was a total Cisco moment. And that was playing the Flash Gordon theme as Barry's getting ready to dive into this black hole. Yeah. So it was one of those moments that as I was watching it, the smile on my face, you could measure it with a tape measure (laughs) because it was that big, you know, and just the the whole interaction with him and Iris when Iris is looking at him like really and Cisco's like, he's literally diving into a black hole and she's just like, "Okay, fair enough. And like (laughs) they just move on is like. Or she's like, yeah, okay, and they just kind of let it go. It's like I found that scene so brilliant, and it became as cheesy as it was my favorite scene of the episode. Yeah,
0: it was, it was, it was just wonderful. I mean, and I love the fact it's like I've been waiting five years for this. (laughs) So yes, (laughs) it was just so great, exactly, so so great. All right,
1: Um, uh, and I know a lot of a couple of the the feedback on Facebook was. Uh, the same way that a lot of people were fans of that scene.
0: Oh, yeah. No, I think it was just, it was wonderful and it was great to see. Uh, actually, real quick, before we get into the final part, because there's one character I think that we're going to see stick around for a few episodes, which is going to be awesome and maybe long term, which is Brandon McKnight, which uh, he played Chester P. Runk. He was kind of our villain of the week, but not really a villain. Um, he is the person that actually causes, you know, the, that black holes start appearing throughout the city. But he is somebody that actually ends up becoming a hero in the comics. Uh, he, he starts off as a villain and then Barry helps him kind of learn to kind of control his powers. So I'm curious to see if we're going to see him because he was a lot of fun. I really thought they did a great job with the the Chester character. Uh, so And Brandon McKnight seemed like he just oozed a lot of fun personality and it blended great with the cast I, I, I hope we do get to see him stick around because they did say, hey, he's going to be around for about six to eight weeks. Hey, guess what? That leads soon into a uh, crisis on infinite earth. Big shock. <laughs> I,
1: yeah, it, it makes me wonder because, you know, one of the ways, you know, with the whole element of the black holes and everything was a consciousness being put into a black hole. Um, I wonder if this is something that could, in essence, come into play when crisis comes around.
0: It very well could, and I think it's. It was really smart to say oh, a couple weeks, and then you did the math, and you're like, "Oh, <laughs> that makes sense." Crisis, uh, yeah, yeah, makes so, sense. But yeah, so I think we'll definitely be seeing a lot more of him. So I think it'll be a
1: lot of fun. So that'd be really cool. I had no idea. Yeah.
0: All right. So. Why don't you Why don't you give us into the introduction of Marneveau? In this episode. Yeah.
1: Um, you know, we knew that uh, Mar-Nuvo, okay, a.k.a. the Monitor, was going to be making an appearance in this episode. Uh, we found that out over the summer. And this is basically our big lead into crisis this year and officially kicks off our countdown to it when it comes to crisis happening in mid-December. And, you know, we see Marnovo come into play in the end and being in the... Uh, what's the room that they call it? That's um, uh, the time vault. The Time Vault. That's it. Yeah. Um, you know, meeting Barry and Iris in the Time Vault, we find out that he's the one responsible for, um, you know, XS's message being destroyed in the very beginning of the episode. And he is there to basically not necessarily warn Barry of the crisis, but let him know his fate is imminent. It doesn't matter throughout, it doesn't matter what he does. Uh, the Flash must die. Uh, in order for this crisis to be averted, which leads me to one or two predictions for crisis coming. Uh, We know that Oliver is going to be the sacrifice when it comes to everything.
0: Well, why don't Uh, you hold that? Because we're going to talk about that in the news. So,
1: okay. All right. Um, Yeah. So then we'll just, we'll, we'll wrap it up with that. Then we do see Marnovu appear and he talks about the crisis that is imminent. And that is our lead into, uh, Again, that's what's officially we're going to call our official beginning of the countdown to crisis Mm -hmm. for uh, for this season. So uh, some real quick Facebook feedback from our uh, our fans. Uh, Mark Kirkman. Awesome. Flash. Cue the Queen music. Uh, Kaylee Burgo says the episode was awesome. Uh, J.M. Winstead. Talk about a crisis. Uh, Let's see. Uh, Billy Taylor, I'm so glad to have the flashback. The episode was a very strong season opener. We got even more hype for Crisis. My favorite part was definitely Cisco's song selection towards the end of the episode and his comment about holding on to it since day one. Uh, and unfortunately, our friend John Fuller, uh, hope it's on Netflix soon. We don't get the CW in Canada, which is a shame. I feel bad that some people don't get to watch these episodes. When we-
0: and I, I feel really bad too, because you won't be seeing it in Canada. So on Netflix, because nothing is going to be uh, any of these shows is no longer going to be appearing on Netflix. Uh, yeah. CW and Netflix have parted ways, folks. Sorry.
1: Yeah. Uh, and uh, Lauren uh, Adoroso. I hope we get to see Sue soon. I'm getting excited. Well, yeah. so are we. Um, but yeah, so next week uh, on the flash Season 6, episode 2, A Flash of the Lightning. We get to see an old familiar face and friend of the show return. Uh, John Wesley Shipp is returning to the show to play uh, Barry's, uh, to play Jay Garrick once again. Uh, and Michelle Harrison is also returning as she his is. mother.
0: absolutely.
1: Because uh, so,
0: this is them, I think, working and using the Mac to be able, and using Jay's helmet as a conduit, I believe, yes. is what they're doing. So uh, I'm Facebook. excited. Excited to see yep. this.
1: Faced with the news of his impending death, Barry's resilience suffers as he struggles to fight fate. Uh, Cecilia's career as DA conflicts with her identity when she crosses paths with a villainous metahuman. So, man, if this season premiere wasn't enough, I'm excited to see our friend John Wesley Shipp return next week. as well. Oh, man,
0: we got to make sure we get John on, um, you know, hopefully in the next couple of weeks, because, man, he's he's going to get a chance to do a lot of fun stuff so
1: yes he is indeed all right uh so that's gonna wrap it up for our breakdown of the episodes this week uh, but there's quite a bit of news out there so i'll turn it over to you for some dc news
0: hey you know what's really awesome is this is the last time we have to deal with going through two weeks of news so <laughs> yes it is that is very <laughs> I, true I, i'm very happy about that because my throat's already getting sore um <laughs> <laughs> so all right we're going to start on the film side and we Bear in mind, this is kind of the truncated version of the news. Uh, starting next week, things will be a little bit easier for us to kind of track. So, uh, But starting off, we did see some awesome, awesome shots because of Just Jared.com and sending out tons of photos from the set of The Suicide Squad. Uh, obviously, uh, James Gunn's uh, version of that, which is the sequel to Suicide Squad, but not quite sequel. No one really knows what the hell it is. <laughs> so, uh, But we know... Uh, there was obviously shots of Jack Courtney as Captain Boomerang. Um, very interestingly, though, too, if you look at those photos, uh, Captain Boomerang not looking as uh, hobo-ish. <laughs> so, yeah, <is> the best <laughs> way I could put it. Uh, looking more de- modern. Yeah, they're definitely toning down the look of the David Ayer versions. So you're definitely seeing uh, course corrections happening here uh, in a big way. Uh, but in addition to that, though, too, uh, we did see uh, a couple other people standing next to uh, Jai through these uh, shots. It's Flula Borg, Pete Davidson, Nathan Fillion, and Mei Ling. I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm sorry, I apologize. I don't know how to pronounce her last name. It's spelled NG, so I'm not going to try to butcher it. I'm just going to say <laughs> Mei Ling. <laughs> so, and also Sean Gunn uh, appearing in those shots. So we have gotten confirmation based on the costumes alone, who quite a few of these people are playing. Uh, so Pete Davidson is playing Blackguard. Uh, you know, uh, we also have Flew Borg is playing Javelin. We we see uh, Mei Ling is dressed up as uh, oh, that's Mongal. that's M O N G A L, not Mongol. Uh, but again, another resident of Warworld. So, or as as our good friend from DCR would say, War World. <laughs> so, <laughs> nice shout out to our friends over at DCR. <laughs> and then again, we see James. Uh, sorry, not, oh, well, James Gunn's uh, brother Sean in a uh, CGI suit, and we found out he's playing Weasel, but what's the one that made me smile the most was the fact that Nathan Fillion was playing arm fall-off boy. I love it so um, much. Such a deep-cut DC villain yep. character, and the fact that that's what they are. So we're pretty sure that most likely this entire roster of people are the people that are going to die early on in the film. Yeah, <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. I hey. think if you're expecting these characters to be the ones that remain throughout the film, you'll be It'll be a shock. <laughs> so I would
1: not be. I would not be surprised with the way James Gunn films and the way things have worked. Especially comparing them to Guardians of the Galaxy, you know, we always get those opening shots of things happening before we get the title card. Uh, I would not be surprised if these characters are gone before the title card even hits. <laughs> I, I,
0: I would willingly state that you're probably correct. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Again, just the fact that it's arm fall off boy just makes me smile so much. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> so, me too. It's so ridiculous the fact that they're making that a character. But cool, and and you, and enough. if you
1: and if you know anything about Fillion, I guarantee you he is having a blast playing. Oh this my character.
0: god! Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. All right, moving on to our next story though with a character. That is definitely tied to that film, Suicide Squad, which is Harley Quinn. Uh, well, we've got some, well, two Harley Quinn stories. One of them for the fans of the DC Universe uh, streaming service. Uh, we have found out officially that the animated series star, uh, starring Kelly Kuko is going to be uh, premiering on November 29th. So, uh, again, very end of November for that show. We'll definitely make sure to talk about the premiere episode once that hits on this show so uh in addition to that though too the very first trailer for birds of prey has dropped in the last two weeks um i know a lot of mixed um mixed thoughts so far on the trailer again this is a very harley focused trailer though Um, we haven't really seen much of the birds yet but i think we'll be seeing them probably when we see trailer two Right around the corner, I'm sure. So, yeah. Uh, but it does. I will say this: it does look interesting. So, I'm looking forward to seeing how that kind of shakes out. All right, jumping into the TV side of the world, let's start with a little bit of stuff for. Oh, actually, before that, I take that back. One other story. So, there is another DC character that is we've been hearing some rumblings about for some time now that was going to be making their move to the big screen. And if you were disappointed that she was not in the Birds of Prey trailer. We do know there are great things in store for Barbara Gordon. We've been hearing this for quite some time, but it has been officially confirmed by Gail Simone, who is one of the most iconic writers of that character, stating that they don't feel bad because uh, DC and DC Entertainment's got a lot of big things right around the corner for the for that character and the silver screen. So um, I would expect we'll probably be hearing something probably before the end of the year so. All right, now we can move to the TV side. So starting off with Batwoman, uh, a couple different stories here. We got a few pieces of casting. So we found out officially that uh, Gabriel Mann has been cast as Tommy Elliot. Obviously, those of you that don't know that character, that is Tommy Elliot, a.k.a. Hush, a very iconic Batman character. And obviously, Gabriel Mann, most well-known for Revenge. And I believe, what was the other show? Uh, he did make some made some appearances in Mad Men uh, you know, along
1: the way as well. Yeah, so and again, I was the one that told you the show, and I can't even remember what it is now. No,
0: it's it's quite okay, quite okay. But also though, too, uh, Sebastian Roche, another amazing actor, has a, is heading their way towards Batwoman. Uh, you know, very well known for uh, you know Man in the High Castle, Vampire Diaries, Supernatural. Uh, an amazing, amazing actor, uh, and I, I'm hoping he's hope playing a villain character because man that guy oozes uh evil charisma so incredibly well yeah Uh, but there is we don't know who he's playing there are is some rumors he could potentially be playing two-face so uh or have having some involvement with two-face's character so uh it's a wait and see uh but no guarantees on that it could be something completely different than that but very curious to see who he's going to be playing but very excited the fact that he's joining the cast Uh, But like I said, lastly, one other thing for Batwoman, the showrunners accurately admit said currently at this point in time, they're still trying to figure out why Bruce Wayne disappeared. So um, like I said, I'd rather them figure it out, come up with a great story. But they said right now it's really about Kate Kane's story first and foremost. But they said they will that will eventually be, you know, broken down. And addressed.
1: Yeah, and I think that's I think that's only the I think that's the right way to approach it is make it more about Kate than anything else right now. Yeah. So
0: now we are on to our countdown to crisis news stories, and we have nine of them. So we are going to start off with (laughs) the small stuff first. Uh, So first off, there was a great shot that was uh, put out there. Uh, that was uh done by David Ramsey yeah, he shared uh that was a shot of him Stephen Catherine McNamara and John Constantine during filming uh so all of them in the middle of the woods together and some people are wondering if maybe this has something to do with Lee and you, so but a lot of people are very curious and excited to see what this could mean to having these four characters together all together especially Catherine McNamara so yeah. know that uh the fact that her having an involvement in crisis is quite interesting because that nail will have a Very interesting change because now it's not just alternate Earths, but maybe different time as well. So if time travel may be potentially a thing in this.
1: Yeah, she's the biggest um, mystery to me in that picture, because and if you think about it in last season, there are two characters that never met because obviously, you know, he was gone by the time the future timeline had happened. So the fact that we're seeing them together in a picture, I think it's only right that at some point before Arrow ends, they are two characters that meet, but I'm very curious how they're going to make it happen.
0: Yeah, absolutely. But not only that photo was shared, we had several other photos in the last two weeks. One of the other ones that came out there was Burt Ward's first shot. Being snapped of him in a very great looking <laughs> r- red sweater with the black, the black, yellow, and green striping on it. uh very showing off his Robin esqueness still. And uh, man, he looked so happy to be on that set. And that shot, he 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 just still oozes that character and oozes kind of what we loved about Batman sixty
1: six. Well, there was something else about that picture. I'm surprised you haven't noticed. What was that? Uh, the fact of what was in that picture with him? Uh, the dog. The dog, uh, a German Shepherd, aka Ace the Wonder Ace. Hound.
0: Yeah, Ace the Bat Hound. Yeah. The Bat Hound, yeah, not the Wonder Hound. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh,
1: yeah. Now it's it's it hasn't been confirmed that that's who it is. I would not be surprised if that's Ace.
0: Uh, yeah, very possible. Oh, I, Burt Ward actually does a lot of stuff with animals, so I, okay. I I did. I didn't think twice about it because he has done a whole bunch of stuff uh with um, animal care and stuff like that it, you know it, it, since his retirement for most most kind of acting uh, appearances so it, again it was it was still very very cool to see the shot uh but the other shot that i think it just gave all of us just the chills was seeing those shots of all of these people aboard the wave rider including yeah. black lightning in the background we saw tom cavanaugh decked out as pariah uh which looked like it was peeled off the pages of the comics but man, oh, man, every time I see shots of Brandon Routh just decked out as Kingdom Come Superman, I, it just gives me chills. He looks so amazing. Looks I, so, I, so amazing. I
1: hope that the fan outpouring of love for that character uh, gives us maybe one or two more appearances of him as that character after Crisis.
0: I, I, again, the question is, where do they go from this? man? Because yeah. it feels like it's, it's such a great, great kind of send off. So... Uh, But speaking of Brandon Routh, though, uh, you know, we do see a couple other shots that have been since have come out and one that Brandon shared of uh, him as Ray Palmer in a business suit standing in front of the logo of Palmer Tech. Um, So everybody's wondering uh, what's going to be going on. But he does say in that post, he says, traveled back in time on my birthday to a time before Ray Palmer knew time travel existed. Uh, So. obviously that means we're seeing Palmer tech back in the fold. So obviously the wave riders time and time travel seem like they're definitely going to have a, some form of impact uh, on crisis on infinite earths, which is makes things very, very, very interesting to think of because obviously that's how, you know, Mia can play a part of all of this. Yes. Again, that the wave rider changes everything. Uh, And if if you think they're not using time travel, (laughs) that's crazy crazy talking
1: (laughs) yeah i mean you have the wave rider that can travel through time like it's right it's almost a given with the legends being involved there's going to be time travel
0: absolutely all right so we got a couple other things here too so uh somebody else that i'm still was really pumped to announce a couple weeks ago ashley scott who was the alum from the classic series birds of prey well i wouldn't say classic (laughs) i would say cult cult favorite birds of prey (laughs) Uh, But we have found out that she actually is going to be rocking her original uniform uh, for her uh, making an appearance playing again, Helena. So that's going to be really, really cool to see the fact that they're going to still kind of play up that angle. So, Uh, but we haven't heard much else yet about anybody else from Birds of Prey. There have been some rumblings that we could be seeing Barbara Gordon. Uh, In addition to seeing, um, you know, uh, oh, my God, it's killing me. Uh, Skuzg. Yeah, was it Scarston, uh, who plays uh, Beth uh, Elizabeth Kane, um, also maybe p- portraying ber- uh, her Birds of Prey character as well. Oh. So,
1: I, You know me with that show. I don't really. It, it doesn't uh, really exist in my brain.
0: I know. Uh, well, <laughs> what it is. It, Alice from Batwoman. She was black, oh. uh, black Canary in Birds of Prey.
1: Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. Yeah. Okay.
0: So uh, everybody's kind of wondering. Ra- Rachel. Rachel Scarston. So. Yeah. Ra- Rachel Scarston. Yeah. Rachel Scarston. Yeah. Sorry. But yeah, so like I said, some people were very, very much wondering if that's going to be the case. So shall see. All right. Down to the last three. Uh, so there is one we'll just talk about now because I want to save the last two uh, for a little bit more discussion. So the big one that kind of came out of nowhere yesterday. Yeah. Uh, and again, we're going to still still leave this as a rumor for now is that Tom Ellis, a.k.a. Lucifer Morningstar may indeed be making an appearance on Crisis on Infinite Earths. Again, right now, purely just a rumor. Uh, We don't know if this is indeed the case, but it does you know, people have said so far. Uh, So Canada Graff, whose uh, past provided photos for the production of various CW shows, claims that Ellis filmed a scene for Crisis on Infinite Earths on the set of The Flash with David Ramsey, Catherine McNamara, and Matt Ryan. They did a scene with Tom Ellis dressed as Lucifer Morningstar. The post said it's not clear at this time if Ellis will actually be playing Lucifer in the crossover. And any involvement he may or may not have remains unverified at this time. Um, But again, it's coming from a very reputable source. And obviously, you know, like I said, for those of you that do forget, you know, Lucifer is part of the DC Comics Vertigo line. Which is now just part of DC Comics. The Vertigo line has been absorbed in. So... Uh I'm curious to see it, but man, it this would be amazing.
1: It, Absolutely amazing. It would be. And I thought about how they would involve him into it. Uh and then when I read more into the story and I found out that he was seen with Matt Ryan as Constantine, I'm like, oh, why did I not think of that earlier? That makes total sense. <laughs> it yeah, makes I complete mean, like then- sense
0: it's 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 super it would be super awesome to see and i'd be really excited to see it kind of play out so uh but how awesome would that be
1: the super super oh cool. uh, my so. god i love i love the show lucifer so to see yeah. him pop um, up would be amazing there was another photo that I don't have a news story for, but maybe
0: you could expand upon it before we get to our last two pieces of a mention of a several Lex Luthers on a call
1: sheet. Yeah, so there was a an image that Stephen Amell posted uh, last week in which he showed himself on set. Yeah, I guess he was in a trailer or something, um, and I'm going to have to find the image to post it online, but uh, to post it on the Facebook page. But apparently it was him like kind of bloodied up. It looked like after like a battle or a fight scene or anything, his hair was kind of disheveled, his beard was growing out. Um, But in the background of the picture, somebody kind of zoomed in on the picture to notice that there is a character listing uh, in the background. And in the character listing, you can see there are a couple particular names that you can see. Uh, one of them obviously is Superman in parentheses. It says Tyler, another one, it says Superman in parentheses. It says Brandon, uh, there is arrow. There's a couple other notable names, but the three to really take notice of, uh, one of them says Jonathan Kent in which we kind of had a feeling at the way super, the Elster crossover ended last year with, uh, Lois being pregnant that we were going to get, um, uh, Superman's son, which is Jonathan Kent. Um, but the notable thing is that we, there are a character, there is one character listed twice, and that character is Lex Luthor. Uh, this image was posted after Michael Rosenbaum came out and said that he turned them down. Now we do know that John Cryer is coming back to portray Lex Luthor once again, but that leaves the question who is portraying the other Lex Luthor, which is something we kind of talked about last week when we or when we talked about the whole Michael Rosenbaum turning down, that maybe there's a chance we could still see him portray that character. Um, you know, now that Crisis is filming, there's a script out there and everything. Maybe they've reapproached him and maybe he's agreed to do it. Especially with, you know, with Tom Welling and Erica Dorrance portraying their characters. We know that Michael Rosenbaum and Tom Welling are still incredibly close since um, since finishing Smallville. So maybe now that the script is out there, production has begun and Tom being a part of it. Maybe there's a hope that Rosenbaum could surprise us and still portray Lex Luthor in crisis. I would be surprised. And I would love to see it. I'd love to see it.
0: All right, let's get to our last two. So, um, obviously, you know, the showrunners for The Flash did seemingly confirm Barry Allen is going to die in Crisis on Infinite Earths. and This comes to a shock to absolutely no one because (laughs) he kind of has to. uh, um, Not just because of what they said in the beginning of this, but it's integral to the story. Um, It's very integral to the, the story of Crisis on Infinite Earths. Uh, As is the death of uh, Supergirl, so I would not be surprised to see them still pull off the deaths of both of those things, and uh, you did mention and so did I, uh, having a conversation yesterday, and you were the one that stated – uh, most likely that Arrow's sacrifice is what brings them back from the brink of death or from death itself.
1: Yeah, and that's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking most likely it's it's going to be – because we do know that The Flash is the third part of the Crisis uh, five-parter. Uh, it's also the mid-season finale before we hit the break for the holidays. So I have a feeling um, Bar- at, at the minimum Barry's death is going to occur during the, the mid-season finale in the midst of Crisis. It's that or Kara's death. It's going to be one of the two of them. Um, if not because, both. Because, again, uh, yeah, I
0: think they'd space it out, though. I, I generally do. Um, I, I don't think they would go for broke there. I mean, they they could, but I'd be surprised if they did.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, I think it's going to be a cliffhanger ending leading us into uh, the midseason break. And then when we, when we come back, I think we're going to see the rest of Crisis probably play out without Barry and or Kara. Until the end. And then it's going to be Oliver's sacrifice that's going to bring them back.
0: Yeah. I I mean, and that could be a really great way to do it because, especially with having so many characters to have to balance, uh, taking a couple of them off the board for an episode or two may not be a bad idea. Yeah. I I mean, mean, really, it'll be off, maybe off the table for a, a, a episode. And then them coming back, obviously, in the final.
1: Yeah, so. I mean, and you figure you're going to have Tyler coming in as Superman. You have Brandon portraying Kingdom Come Superman. And if you had Kara in that mix as well, it's a little overpowered, super wise.
0: Um, well, you also have Tom Welling and all that stuff. And they did confirm today that the comic book of uh, uh, Smallville yeah. is canon, which was season 11, essentially. So they said that is needs to be included into people's thoughts before going into – crisis of an But I so. but
1: we do know that Tom's only appearing in one episode and I still unfortunately to the dismay of many fans uh who are still pining for it, I still don't think we're going to see Tom suit up. No, no. He's going to uh, play Clark I mean, uh, and that's it.
0: I it's going to boil down to honestly a lot of these people that w- that are being announced probably have one scene, maybe two scenes. These these are going to be quick cameos. So if people are expecting these characters to be along for the ride from start to finish, maybe one or two of them may, but expect small, quick moments and vignettes with some of these folks. Um, I, so I would make sure, set your expectations. <laughs> it's definitely set your expectations. Yeah. Now, but it, it's 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 going to be fun regardless.
1: Though. Now, the other prediction I also thought of, too, is, uh, you know, Marno Vu does say at the end of The Flash this episode this week that The Flash must die. Let's not forget, we have multiple versions of The Flash at this point. Um, you know, we have, uh, obviously earth one, Barry Allen, we have Jay Garrick as the flash, and we also have, uh, Barry Allen earth 90 version of the flash. So the death of the flash may not necessarily mean earth one flash. Mm-hmm. We could see a sacrifice of one of the other versions of the flash that we have. Yeah. But Hey,
0: you know what? I, I just can't anything wait to watch. Possible. I can't wait. Because anything is possible, and what's proof positive of this is their final story, which just brought a smile to our face, and I wanted to end it here on such a just fun moment. But on the set of Crisis of Infinite Earths, a newspaper was seen yes. from the Gotham City Gazette that simply states, Wayne Tech CEO Bruce Wayne to marry a socialite Selena Kyle, and below it, a shot of Michael Key.
1: I love this so much.
0: I, it's just, it brings this massive stupid smile to my face that there it feels like man, this is going to be littered with so so many Easter eggs and little hidden things in the corners. Think about when we spent just 10 minutes inside Arkham Asylum last year and scanned across a set of shelves. saw everything from the Nolan Bain mask to you know what looked like you know the cane for the Riddler, all these things just just pouring out. This feels like it's not just going to be a great story but a real just wonderful celebration of all of the forms that these characters have appeared uh in live action formats over the years and how exciting is this
1: yeah oh i'm i'm incredibly excited i feel like like th- this is the this is the endgame to dctv what endgame was to marvel um yeah. this is the culmination of a bunch of different seasons and unlike endgame which is kind of wrapping a story this is These shows are going to continue with the exception of Arrow. Uh, But I feel like in the same way that Endgame was to the the MCU in that it shook everything up and now things are going to be different continuing forward. I'm kind of hoping it's the same thing for the television shows. I'm I'm really hoping that we're going to see a merging of some of the Earths, uh, you know, and going forward, really opening up the possibility to do new and fun things as we progress forward with these shows. So I'm incredibly excited to watch to to watch um, uh, Crisis on Infinite Earths, even if the story doesn't live up to the potential of what I feel it could be, which I don't think I think it will. I think it totally will Um, because they've never disappointed me with any of these crossovers that they've done Uh, just in the Easter eggs and the nods that they are giving us. I feel alone is going to make this whole five part crossover worth watching. So absolutely. I'm I'm highly looking forward to it. I, I really I can't wait until December. I really can't. I wish it was December already. And I think you're right. I think this is going to be a crossover that's going to merit multiple viewings because there's going to be things we're going to miss.
0: Oh my gosh, absolutely. The first time around. Absolutely. It's going to be a ton of fun. Yeah. I can't wait.
1: Uh, but if that wraps it up with the news. I think we're uh, we're ready to start working our way out of this.
0: Uh, yeah, no, we are done, man. Uh, which is good because my throat is killing yeah,
1: me. <laughs> mine's getting there so. too. And you just did a majority of the talking through the news too. So, uh, allow me to take over for a moment, and I will. We're gonna knock out a couple recommendations first, and then we'll get you, uh, of course, our cheap plugs and where you can find us as we progress forward. But, uh, we talked a little bit about the possibility of Michael Rosenbaum appearing in crisis this year. Uh, as contrary to what we already know and that he turned it down. Uh, my recommendation this week is actually Michael's new album. If for those of you that don't know, uh, in addition to being an actor and an avid podcaster in which he has two, uh, inside of you and in love, which he does with actor Chris Sullivan, uh, his band just dropped a new album. Uh, The band is called Left on Laurel and the album, which I probably should have had up uh, so I could have told you the title. So I'm kind of vamping until I can pull it up on my phone. Um, The album, I think it's um, I think it's only 10 tracks. I can't remember, Uh, but the album is called uh, Saved by the Ground. Uh, The group, again, is called Left on Laurel. And I'll tell you what. A lot of actors out there kind of try and become musicians. This is something Michael's been doing for a while. He's been a musician for a long time. Uh, And I have fallen in love with this album. It has given me a new appreciation for indie music. And I highly recommend it to anybody out there. Uh, It's on Amazon Music, Google, iTunes. You can find it pretty much everywhere. Uh, Left on Laurel, Saved by the Ground, which is Michael Rosenbaum's band. Uh, That is my reckon reckon recommendation for this week
0: very cool uh as for me i would recommend you guys all do two things today uh as this being monday the 14th uh not only is this now my birthday (laughs) so but uh i got a special birthday present this year which is the final trailer for star wars episode nine drops tonight in addition to that not only is that happening but that means tickets will be going on sale tonight so if you're one of those people that is ready and waiting to see this movie and want to see it opening Which night, we are. Oh, my God. I got to deal with trying to get 19 tickets. <laughs> it's going to be intense. It'll uh, be but, fun, though. Uh, uh, I, just For those of you that are listening to this Monday morning, definitely, definitely, definitely keep close attention to Monday Night Football. Whether you're a football fan or not, just stay locked to your phones Whatever you can to uh, make sure to get your ticket purchases in. But in addition to that, while you're waiting, you can jump over to YouTube and check out a show that I just introduced Ben and a couple other friends to called Relics and Rarities. If you love watching some of these wonderful playthroughs of uh, some D&D campaigns with celebrities, sometimes and other things, this is a fantastic one. Hosted by Deborah Ann Wall. Most people remember from shows like True Blood. In addition to that, things like Daredevil. So really a ton of fun the first episode uh, features uh, one of my favorite uh actors out there and a wonderful voice actor by Matthew by the name of Matthew Lillard most of you know as Shaggy Rogers has been the voice of Scooby Doo uh or not Scooby Doo uh, voice of Shaggy, Shaggy. Yep. uh from from Scooby Doo uh since the live action films several years back where he first made that appearance and later just became the voice going forward so definitely make sure to check it out it is a ton of fun and he's so good uh, in that
1: first episode too i love it
0: yeah yeah, he, he's so goofy and fun, but make sure to check it out.
1: Yeah, that, yeah, I finished the first episode. We I started watching it with you guys last night, and uh, I <clears throat> ended up finishing it when I got home. And I will probably end up watching another episode or two today, I won't lie. So uh, all right, some cheap plugs, and then we will get out of here and allow you guys to continue on and enjoy your week. First things first, you can find this podcast as well as all other podcasts as part of the next level podcast network, next level uh the next level network.com, Facebook.com slash the next level network, and of course the Facebook page for this podcast, uh Facebook.com slash DC Primetime.
0: And as for me, you can always find me more at thenextlevelnetwork.com as well through Still Afraid of the Dark and the Caffeine Crew cast of Pods. Uh, We are just about to continue our celebration of the wonderful Halloween season with the last few episodes of Still Afraid of the Dark and our upcoming recording this coming Wednesday on our Caffeine Crew episode all about vampires. So I am super excited for that one to drop. Um, We had a bit of a delay again because I was as Ben mentioned in the beginning, that was down and out and incredibly, incredibly sick that, that made that very difficult to try to record. Yeah. Uh, so it's a week behind, but like I said, it will be with you relatively soon. Uh, but just keep your eyes and ears posted for that. Uh, but yeah, um, but that's it for me.
1: Cool. Uh, so with that being said, next week, uh, again, we're back to the weekly grind. So we will be back next Monday as well, uh, in which we'll be talking about the second episodes of Batwoman, the Flash, Supergirl, and of course, the season premiere of Arrow will be added along right along with that. Uh, but until next time, until next week, until that time, thank you for being a part of the DC primetime family. Thank you for liking, commenting, subscribing, all that you guys do. Uh, be sure to share the podcast with everybody that you know, especially now, that the shows have returned uh but until next time we'll see you guys around the bend take care peace